Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, Be in the Know, and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Scott Baer. He's the CEO of the uh, Community Pregnancy Clinics. Elizabeth Warren has been on the warpath about uh, pregnancy clinics, and uh, she prefers to have abortion clinics. So anyway, we'll talk to him about that and some of the misinformation that's out there. Also, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be joining us as well. It is July the 20th, and on this day in 1865, a Frenchman named Pierre Lalimay, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, anyway, I don't speak French, but nevertheless, he, wrote, he arrived in the United States carrying the plans and components for the first modern bicycle. Lalimay constructed and patented the first bicycle in the United States, but received no significant reward or recognition for introducing the nation to the invention that soon became ubiquitous. Born near Nancy, France, Lalimay trained as a mechanic. He was working as a carriage builder when he first saw a dandy horse similar to a bike, but powered directly by the feet, rider's feet, pushing it along the ground, and began drawing up plans for a similar machine. Lila May's invention, innovation, was adding a transmission and pedals, which allowed for a smoother, faster, and somewhat more dignified ride. Along with another carriage builder, Marchot, Lila May uh, created and credited with uh, building the first working prototype for a bicycle, Due to a dispute between himself and Marche and his son and the Olivier brothers with whom Marche went into business, Lalimé found himself shut out of the first mass-produced bicycle in France. So he came to the United States and arrived in Ansonia, Connecticut. He developed his invention for the, uh, for the locals, all of whom reported fled in terror as the sight of the devil on wheels and eventually found an investor, James Carroll, to support his efforts. In 1866, he applied for and was granted a patent for the nation's first pedaled bicycle. Despite being the first to patent the idea, Lalamy was unable to capitalize on his investment invention. Failing to acquire enough funds to open a factory, he sold the rights to a patent in 1868 and moved back to France, where Mar Marche's bike had achieved enormous popularity and set off a bike boom that soon spread throughout Europe. Albert Pope, who came in possession of the patent in 1876, made a small fortune producing Columbia bicycles. I had a Columbia bike when I was a kid and became one of the foremost proponents of the bike, forming the League of American Wheelmen in 1880. Lally, however, died in obscurity in Boston in 1881. It would be over a century before cycling historians identified the important role he played in the invention of the Bicycle, 1865. Think how far we've come since that time in terms of uh, travel, and uh, it's just been amazing. Well, the place where Joe Biden face-planted in the concrete falling off of his bike last month has been named Brandon Falls on Google Maps. I'm not kidding. Google Map Brandon Falls and see if you don't see <laughs> where Joe face-planted. In the cement, someone had managed to place a pilot landmark in the Delaware location, naming it after the infamous Let's Go Brandon chant, which was initiated after the White House claimed NASCAR fans were not, uh, not chanting uh, F. Joe Biden, uh, but they totally were. At the time of the writing, writing, Brandon Falls is still listed as an historical landmark on Google Maps. People at Brandon Falls and beyond are reenacting the historical moment and labeling it Bidening or Biden Bike Challenge. <laughs> so, go visit Brandon Falls on Google Maps. Well, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre on Tuesday was asked where Joe Biden had been in the last couple of days. He's been uh, hiding in the White House since he got back from Saudi Arabia empty-handed last uh, Saturday evening. So he's been in meetings, she said, starting out nervously. He's been meeting with senior staff, and he's been meeting with uh, staff, she said. Well... Uh, he's just been very busy dealing with issues of the American people, Corinne Jean-Pierre said. She actually said this with a straight face. Even Jean-Pierre uh, didn't believe the <laughs> what she was saying. Uh, 
Who knows where he was? He wasn't in Delaware. He was in the White House somehow. Anyhow, several congressional Democrats, including Reps uh, Elon Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or Sandy, the bartender, were uh, arrested Tuesday outside of the U.S. Supreme Court during an abortion rights protest for allegedly blocking traffic. In total, U.S. Capitol Police arrested 34 people, including 16 members of Congress. U.S. Capitol Police posted a warning Tuesday on Twitter to demonstrators stating it is against the law to block traffic, so officers are going to our standard three warnings before they start making arrests. A video posted by WCCO-TV, that's Minneapolis, a journalist uh, shows Omar with her hands behind her back walking and giving a smile. At the very last second, she appears to raise one hand over the or in head in defiance. Ocasio-Cortez had her hands behind her back, pretending as if she were handcuffed. Of course, they weren't. It's pretty evident from the video. But uh, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. Well, in a race-flexing former President Donald Trump's endorsement muscle, Dan Cox won the Republican primary for Maryland governor on Tuesday, defeating a moderate rival backed by outgoing governor Larry Hogan. Trump's hailed Cox's victory in in a series of true social posts last Tuesday night, uh, late Tuesday night, I should say. Wow. Trump endorsed Dan Cox is doing very well tonight in seeking the Republican gubernatorial nomination from the great state of Maryland, Trump wrote on True Social. As Cox rolled up his big lead uh, that even surpassed the hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots that will not be counted until Thursday under Maryland law, Not over yet, but Rhino Larry Hogan's endorsement doesn't seem to be working out so well for his heavily favored candidate. Next, I'd love to see Larry run for president. Of course, uh, uh, Hogan, uh, a Republican governor in Maryland, has been a foil for Trump, or tried to be, anyhow. Cox will face the uh, winner of the Democrat primary in November general election. Wes Moore, a best-selling author, backed by Oprah Winfrey, has an early lead Tuesday night with the focus uh, starting to turn to mail ballots that will not be counted until later next week. The uh, Republican primary was a proxy battle between Trump and Hogan, who offered a vastly different vision of the party in future as they uh, consider 2024 campaigns for the White House. Hogan, one of Trump's most prominent GOP critics, urged the party to move on from his brand of politics while Trump uh, spent much of his post-presidency Lifting candidates who embraced calls for election integrity, like Cox, Schultz was endorsed by Larry Hogan, who is term limited. It represents a battle between the power of the Trump endorsement against the moderate anti-Trump GOP establishment, and he has targeted during these uh, midterm elections. He stands now at 147 and 10 in terms of his endorsements, and that's how they're doing uh, in terms of winning and losing, 147 to 10. So Trump uh, is demonstrating muscle, even though he's out of office, he certainly has influence in the Republican Party. My personal theory is I believe uh, the Republican Party is going to transform over time to make America great again. And uh, we're seeing more and more of the middle class come in, seeing Hispanics, blacks, all different sort of people who uh, want to see America great again and are not supporting this uh, global uh, transfer, transformation of the United States of America. I think Trump is going to uh, continue his success. Bill de Blasio lost big time during the 2020 presidential bid in uh, 2020. Now, the former mayor of New York City is ending his campaign for Congress just two months after he announced his candidacy. It's clear that the people of New York are looking for another option, and I respect that, said de Blasio in a tweet. Time for me to leave electoral politics and focus on other ways I can serve. I'm really grateful for the people I met. And the stories are heard in the many good souls who helped out. Thank you so much, and thank you all. He tweeted. It's a very uh, a gentlemanly way to depart. Is he leaves the legacy in New York City of a real mess. And for that, he will always be remembered, in my opinion. Bill de Blasio really made a mess in New York City. And by the way, a New York City judge on Tuesday dropped a second-degree murder charge against the bodega owner, or as uh, Jill... Dr. Jill says a Boudica uh, owner who stabbed his attacker to death. Earlier in the month, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, one of uh, Soros's special prosecutors, charged 51-year-old Jose Alba with murder, which he clearly acted in self-defense. 
Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office faced harsh criticism for bringing the charge against Jose Alba earlier in the, uh, this month, despite footage suggesting the deadly stabbing was a justified self-defense. According to Alba's defense lawyer, the 32-year-old woman took a knife out of her purse and stabbed the bodega worker in the shoulder, the New York Post reported. She's not facing charges for stabbing Joseph Alba or Jose Alba, but Jose Alba was charged with second-degree murder for fatally stabbing fatally stabbing Austin Simon after the assailant stabbed him and violently attacked him. Unbelievable. Uh, they should go to recall this guy, Bragg, Alvin Bragg, along with uh, uh, the guy in Los Angeles and San Francisco. He, they, San Francisco has already been recalled. Soros is up to no good. Well, a new report from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, which was founded by economists Steve Forbes, Larry Gudlow, Alan Art Laffer, and Stephen Moore, found that the top 68 Biden administration officials, the median amount of business experience they have is zero. Of appointees dealing with economic, or economy policy, regulation and commerce, energy and finance, 62% have no practical experience in the private sector at all, and the majority of Biden economic commerce team is fi filled with professional politicians, lawyers, community organizers, lobbyists, and government employees. The total number of years of business experience among the top 68 policymakers is 161.42 uh, years of service. Uh, are, have, they have no business experience whatsoever. 42 have no experience, I should say. Whatsoever, only six have been business experience. Twenty top officials have law as their primary field. Twenty-one uh, politics and government. Twelve ac academia, and three have consulting public relations backgrounds. To name just a few examples, Pete Buttigieg went from being the mayor of a town with north of a hundred thousand folks to an oversight of one trillion dollar industry, and is in charge of dealing with supply chain issues and nation's ports. In our transportation infrastructure, you can tell he's doing a great job. The average amount of experience for Biden's appointees come out, comes out to 2.4 years. By contrast, Donald Trump's cabinet averaged over 10 years of business experience per member. So there's nobody saying, hey, let's just text this uh, theory against reality. These people are all ideologues, and uh, no wonder they're leading us astray. President Joe Biden's special coordinator for international energy... Affairs, Amos Hochstein, made an appearance on CNN Tuesday morning as gas prices continue to bust the budgets of American families. During his remarks, Hochstein said the White House does not want oil and gas companies embarking on new projects, and they are working to accelerate the current extremely painful, unaffordable transition to alternative energy. He said it's about making a choice between what is short-term and medium-term so we can make sure we have enough oil and gas to support us through the transition. I'm not kidding. He said that. In other words, this is all on purpose. I hope you enjoy the pain. The pain is the point. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Scott Bear. He is the CEO of the uh, Community Pregnancy Clinics, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. 
Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you uh, a part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now, we have with us Scott Baer. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again, Bob, for having me. Always a pleasure, Scott. Tell us about the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Yeah, so we've got seven clinics around the state of Florida, from uh, Naples all the way up to the University of Florida in Gainesville, and we serve women in need in crisis pregnancies, um, both before, during, and after the birth of the baby. Uh, we'll serve up to three years with material assistance, uh, medical services, of course, and all of those things that go along with helping a woman uh support her baby. Yeah, so Scott, uh, I've been a big supporter of the organization now for several years, and I was just alarmed and taken back by Elizabeth Warren. I saw a clip of her saying, we've got to get rid of these clinics. They're standing in the way of women, and they're stopping them from getting the uh, abortions they're looking for. We've got to close down these clinics in Massachusetts and all over the United States. I was appalled at that. What, I'd appreciate your response. Sure. Well, I mean, it's so ridiculous that actually there's been a spoof. It's gone viral on, on YouTube right now, a video showing uh, her spoofing, her calling uh, the evil free diapers that we're giving out and all the resources. So, uh, so I'm glad it's, it's, you know, we have millions of women across the country who have a different story. Uh, I guarantee, I would almost promise you that she's never been in a crisis pregnancy clinic that's right. life-affirming. Uh, so the, the talking points there are not going to stand the test of time. What I'm actually more concerned about is, you know, the executive order from President Biden last week uh, taking aim at pro-life pregnancy resource centers uh, with, you know, just false claims. Basically, it's, you know, we're fighting truth with lies. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're fighting the lies with truth, I should say. Yeah. And we're fighting uh, fiction with facts because, and again, this is perpetuated, perpetuated by the media with confusion and fear, but now we're seeing the government really reinforcing it. Uh, especially with Biden's executive order and uh, politicians like Senator Warren. Yeah, well, I mean, the headlines on the Biden's executive order is he wants to make a mail-order abortion available. <laughs> I just, I, maybe, maybe you could just tell us about what he's proposing in his executive orders and, and what you think the consequences might be. Yeah, there are a lot of aspects of this that are really alarming. Uh, you know, the first thing he's claiming is that, uh, you know, they're going to take action against pro-life pregnancy resource centers for fraud. Uh, claiming, you know, you know we're, we're, we're not medical clinics and so forth. And, you know, APLOG, uh, which is the, um, the, the pro-life, you know, um, uh, doctors around the country have done studies, and they show 79% of all CPCs, crisis pregnancy centers, uh, are, are licensed medical officials. We have medical directors at our own. 
certified registered nurses, uh, RDMSs, and so forth. So that's a false claim that they're trying to make a straw man argument against. Um, and they're also going to reduce the reporting uh, of complications from medical abortions, uh, which are on the rise and will grow uh, because the REMS protocols were removed, the risk evaluation mitigation strategies. And so in the interest of privacy, they're going to try to reduce uh, the reporting of those complications, again, to further uh, their goal to increase, um, you know, these really harmful chemical abortions. And, uh, you know, other parts of it, too, there's a federal government uh, is going to initiate a pro-abortion campaign, um, and there's so many more aspects to this. But the other part that Biden is considering doing is declaring a public health emergency to yeah. help secure abortion access. It's now, the basis of this is patently false because the real health emergency is women who, is be- who are being harmed by abortion. Uh, you know, but their, their, their claim is that states that ban abortion now, in the case uh, you know, of the health of the mother, we have to, the federal government has to step in to force uh, states to to you know allow abortions, but the fact is, and here's the fact against the fiction, that no state, even of the 24 who have pro-life laws uh, in effect or going into effect, not one state bans abortion in the case of the health of a mother, uh, which is already a rare occurrence. But no state does that. So he's again created a straw man argument here. Uh, I'll I'll bet he hasn't been in a in a. Uh, oh community pregnancy clinic either. I'll bet, I'll bet. I mean, and, and uh, so you mentioned seven uh, clinics. I read uh, that uh, there's uh, the, the ratio is not three to one as, as Elizabeth uh, Warren claimed, but it was about 14 to one. There's uh, 14 pregnancy resource centers for every one abortion clinic. And I just read uh, yesterday that California is proposing one in uh, forgotten La, La Mirada, I believe it is. Uh, the school board is proposing putting a, pre- a uh, Planned Parenthood Clinic right on the campus, if you can believe that. Yes, Planned Parenthood already uh, by themselves, and that's where that ratio changes. If you look at Planned Parenthood only or all abortion clinics, uh, you know the ratio can vary. But Planned Parenthood, eight out of ten Planned Parenthoods are within walking distance of a college or university already. Wow. Um, you know, and so they know their market. They know their market is fifteen to twenty-four year old girls. Um, that's why they're in high schools with their uh, sex ed curriculums, which kind of over-sexualizes, uh, you know, the topics with, with young girls. And they offer contraception, which they know 50% of all contraception will fail. And then that leads the, the woman uh, to, you know, eventually get pregnant and have an abortion uh, when they turn back to Planned Parenthood. So their model is one geared for uh, income and revenue not really worrying about the health of the mother. Uh, but, yeah, universities is really where the new battleground is. In California, they're going to have vending machines with chemical abortion available. Mm. Uh, and so the list goes on and on of ways that we see harm being done to women. Uh, and when you know Senator Warren, again, claims that we're doing the harm, uh, we've got to fight the lies with, with truth. Absolutely. It's really a battle of evil versus uh, good, in, in my opinion. Is it because I've, uh, again... Well, you know, uh, for our listeners' benefit, because they may not be familiar with, uh, you know, what the good work that you have accomplished, can you give us an idea of the number of babies that have been saved and lives that have been saved as a consequence of your work in the last uh, year, two or three or ten? Sure. Well, here in the state of Florida, we, we, we calculate and track, you know, all of our services that we're, that we're offering. In the cases of uh, women who are abortion-minded or, or uh, abortion-vulnerable, that means they're in a vulnerable situation, they're, they're contemplating abortion, uh, we only use those in our stats for babies saved. And just last year alone, uh, we saved 1,470 babies. Uh, that was our most ever uh, in the uh, nearly 50 years that we've been in existence. But since 1974, we are over 20,000 babies. And nationally, if you look at the 2,700 uh, pregnancy resource centers, and if you include the maternity homes, then you're getting into about 3,500 uh, life-minded uh, resource centers out there. Uh, it's over $270 million in services offered to women at virtually no charge, um, and you know, no government funds, and we're doing this, you know, for the good of women and the good of families, and uh, you know, that's really that that's what we've been doing. People say, well, what are you going to do now that Dobbs has overturned Roe? Well, it's what we've been doing, but we're going to do it even more effectively as more and more people become aware of, of what's what's really happening out there. Yeah, and and how are you funded, Scott? 
So we are just privately don- uh, funded, uh, no government assistance, and so I consider myself a professional beggar. Um, <laughs> you know, but people, I say, you know, they are blessed. Uh, we have champions out there who are uh, inviting people to our clinics and to our events and so forth. But uh, we're we're privately funded, and we just go around and and uh, find people who are like-minded who want to support our efforts. Well, I just encourage our listeners to go to your website and uh, find out more. Make a contribution. I mean, I think this is, again, a battle between good and evil. And it's one thing, you can certainly have people on both sides of an issue, but to, to use blatant lies as or as a as in in the war between uh, good and evil it's just it's just uh, a mind boggling it's just unbelievable so uh, yeah. scott what what is your website so if you're a uh, a potential client of ours that need that need our services you could go to communitypregnancyclinics.com and if you're looking uh, to support our efforts you can do so at support cpci.com support cpci.com is the website before i let you go scott uh you have an annual event typically a life-saving event uh, anything coming up yes indeed we have uh first of all we have seth gruber and terry beatley which is geared for pastors and pro-life leaders at first presbyterian church that'll be september 13th and on february 25th uh we can announce now we're bringing in kaylee McEnany, a former white house press secretary cool. Uh, who will be in Naples at the Ritz on February 25th. Okay, and again, the website. At supportcpci.com or communitypregnancyclinics.com. All right, Scott. Just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Community Pregnancy Clinics CEO, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Have a blessed day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. Hey, you know, uh, I know that uh, you grew up as a Yankee fan Last night, the American League won the All-Star Game 3-2, to two, and the most valuable player, uh, Stanton, uh, 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 a Yankee. Maybe, what are your thoughts? 
Well, uh, Giancarlo Stanton is a is a good guy. He's a, he's a decent human being, which I think helps uh, in any kind of uh, Laurie extended the man. He homers last night to run homer becomes the uh, the MVP. I'm a lifetime baseball fan, Yankee fan, of course. I don't know if of course is appropriate, but of course, in my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the most difficult thing in sports is is trying to hit a round object moving and dodging at 95 miles an hour with a cylindrical object. I think right. that is the most difficult thing in sports right and yes last night they had the conversations between the ball players and it was just really entertaining to hear the uh, the exchange particularly between Nestor Cortez uh, Cortez and Trevino uh, that's the Yankee pitcher and the Yankee catcher who were on the all-star team just hearing their exchange and determining what to throw so it was just a, a very entertaining night and a and a very high quality distraction from the uh, the problems of America at least for a couple of hours yeah well it, it was and uh, I must say I was very pleased with uh, having a couple of representatives on the All-Star team from the Boston Red Sox. I, I've been a Red Sox fan since we lived in Boston. So anyhow, it was a great great out, uh, outcome in terms of the American yeah, I remember League. Bogarts went down swinging, as I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, we usually start a conversation with, do you have any more good news? I've got some marginally good news things, and I only say marginally because I think there's uh, – uh, the big story today, the elephant in the room, Bob, is going to be what President Biden brings forth in terms of, of, of climate. So let, let me leave that in abeyance. But uh, just just for your audience, that is the story it, in its own way. It can be existential and its implications. We just have to wait and see. But uh, all the, uh, the the suggestions as to what might happen portends uh, perhaps uh, what can be described as near disaster. So but let me put that off for a second. The good news. Uh, first of all, the uh, the murder charges against Jose Alba were dropped by Alvin Bragg and yeah. the bodega killing in New York. That was a long time coming, I think. It was obviously appropriate that this uh, worker uh, defended himself, obviously, against a serious uh, life threat and um, was initially charged by Bragg with murder. Uh, Bragg is the DA who has let criminals go, murderers go, violent thugs go, and, and yet he charged Jose Alba defending himself in his store, the store he worked in, uh, with, with murder. So I'm glad to see that uh, that is a, a dropping that's appropriate of a charge. Um, and I'm, I hope it portends a, a more meaningful justice system. I'd also like to point out... Well, I will say this, Andy, if I'm interrupting you, and I apologize yeah, for that, no, but no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath. I think uh, this guy, Alvin Bragg, the DA in, in Manhattan, needs to be uh, expunged from the system just like... Uh, happened in San Francisco as well as it's happening right now in L.A. These Soros financial-backed DAs are doing tremendous harm to our justice system. There's no doubt. And I'll tell you, every time I try to get positive, you come in and rub salt in that. Yeah. No, no, I look, I totally agree with what you just said. I, you know, I, I try to uh, put a, an optimistic twist on on directions we're going in. And I uh, so optimistically, very optimistically, I would hope that uh, Bragg's reversal indicates something. But I think you're absolutely correct in terms of your your additional comments. Uh, I also thought it was a, a pleasant thing to see Ilan Omar and uh, AOC arrested for their protests in front of the Supreme Court. They uh, they faked apparently having shackles on by keeping their hands behind their back, but they weren't. Uh, it was just, again, a, a quality enforcement of the law. Uh, I don't want to necessarily see anyone punished by the law, but uh, when it comes to enforcing the law, I think that that was what was happening, and I think it was long overdue in terms of these uh, these type of protests. So I thought that was a, a, a positive thing. If we go to San Francisco, we can see where uh, appointed DA Brooke Jenkins uh, when she first came into to her office as the new DA, uh, she almost she fired almost the entire staff uh, that had previously existed, the, the woke staff, as it's been described. And just one more brief piece of good news over at CNN, uh, Fareed Zakaria, certainly a, uh, a leftist uh, by every uh, measurement, in one of his columns wrote that the use of pronouns by the left has to be diminished in terms of its importance. Uh, and just, it's nothing significant, but it does show some sort of a break in the facade. And of course, uh, uh, Zakaria was totally condemned by the left for even hinting that, pro- that pronouns were not important. You know, here we are with a, just a terrible mess going on, inflation, all the issues that we've got going on. And, and these are the, this is the hill they want to die on is to, <laughs> The pronoun battle is just unbelievable. 
I have decided on my pronouns as sir and your lordship. I think I've mentioned that before, so that's what I want to go with. Well, so I'm that, uh, those are the two choices. Uh, your honor, and I like to be referred <laughs> to as we. <laughs> these discussions are, are so ridiculous. I think the only thing that will correspond to the absurdity of these type of things is uh, Smithsonian uh, Channel did a investigation as to the sexuality of Casimir Pulaski, the general, the Polish general during the uh, American Revolutionary War, and and they came up with uh, proof. I'm using the word advisedly. Yeah. Proof that uh, that P Pulaski was a woman. Now, yeah, I don't care if he was a woman or she was a woman or not, but I thought the, the joy being demonstrated by the by the women commentators as if somehow this this revelation gave them some semblance of extended glory was just uh, so symptomatic of, of, of America today. We can talk about the uh, the, 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 the the male female swimmer that this uh, this corruption of gender is just is really an insidious blight on our on our society, Bob. No doubt, uh, Andy. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation about uh, climate and climate emergency. I mean, just the uh, context of this is Biden has already extended the emergency for the COVID vaccine and uh, the, the uh, virus right now, which is just totally absurd. This thing is now an endemic. It's not a pandemic. And it's nothing more than the flu, a glorified uh, version of the flu, in my opinion. But nevertheless, he's extended because, you know, what does it do? It creates power. It gives more executive power. And that's exactly... Well, this, are we going to commercial, Bob, or where are we? Well, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to talk you into it. I'm just figuring out the timing. Here. Yeah, well, you know, let's take a commercial break, and and when you come back, we can talk about this. All right, we're I've gonna got have a, a few other brief stories before I get there, but that is the story on the table today. All right, okay, we're gonna have more on the Bob Harden show okay. on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting uh, Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, among other things, creating policies and programs to get aid off of welfare and back to work. It's not easy, but they've certainly uh, paved the way to help people do that, and it's a moral imperative. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. Andy, I interrupted your uh, train of thought there before the break, and I had, you had some other information you wanted to share with us. 
Just a few other uh, topics, really, not not a not a flow process, Bob. But uh, Deborah Burks, who had uh, published a book called Silent Invasion back, I think, in March of this year. The book is finally getting some traction in terms of analysis by the media and by the right, let's say. And in the book, she actually admits during the Trump administration, Burks being one of the two major counselors to the Trump administration, her and Fauci, she indicates she actually falsified her documentation to induce uh, actions on the part of the Trump administration. In yeah. other words, she had her personal view of what should happen. The existing that it did not warrant those those things being put into action. So she actually lied to the Trump administration to induce those things to occur. Right. Uh, to me, that's uh, very symptomatic of the left in general, but uh, it's very seldom you actually see it documented. She admitted this in her own words in the book, uh, Silent Invasion, Bob. So I think that's an important story. Uh, in, a, in a larger sense. Uh, another story that came out of uh, Congress yesterday is is Pete Buttigieg. And uh, no matter how he wants to reposition it, he essentially said that the high price on fossil fuels is a good thing. Uh, and he, he denies saying that, but that's certainly what he did say, uh, because it induces people to buy electric vehicles. Now, this is very much in keeping with the uh, with the larger story we'll deal with in a minute. Uh, but Buttigieg uh, is trying to mandate, as far as anyone can tell, mandate electric vehicles. Now, these vehicles uh, come at an average price tag of $66,000 a piece, mm -hmm. approximately $20,000 more, if not more so, than the cost of the average internal combustion engine. Uh, and it looks like that is the direction Buttigieg is trying to take us. An interesting uh, subset of that whole discussion is that of the people who own electric vehicles, 78% of the people owning those uh, cars own them as second cars. Right. In other words, this is a very top-end purchase uh, that is only being made by the people who are extremely affluent. So if there's something we could cite as an elitist move, uh, uh, a move that would damage the average American, there's no doubt uh, that mandating electric vehicles at that average price tag, $66,000, would be uh, cost prohibitive for the average American, Bob. Yeah, you know, this uh, Amos Hochstein is a... Uh, special coordinator for international energy and he made the comment yesterday about when he questioned about the price of gas so we have to make a differentiation to make sure that american consumer has what it needs to grow grow our economy and grow our economy global economy but not take steps and endanger the climate work that we're trying to do to make sure that we're on a better footing to accelerate transition so in other words suck it up <laughs> Take the pain because yeah, I, I saw him, uh, I guess, on Fox yesterday. You know, I, I had published a, a republished a, a, an essay I had written back in 1991 uh, for the Gannett Westchester. It was a, a guest column. And in, the name of it, I think, says it all. Environmental theology denigrates human need. Right. And, and so the whole purpose of that essay back 30 years ago, Bob, uh -huh. was to illustrate the fact that uh, the, the environmentalists, the radical environmentalists, and that's who's dominating the, the entire script right now, uh, really do not care about the impact of any action they take uh, on the human process. We can see that across the world in Sri Lanka, in Germany, in, in France, in Spain, in Italy, right. across the board, in term, and Netherlands, of course, uh, the damage that they are doing because they totally ignore uh, that uh, the quality of life demands food, it demands heat, it demands air conditioning. Uh, that's another issue right now, Bob, that is uh, that is driving a lot of this process. There is a, a a localized heat phenomenon that seems to be very high, but it's it's weather. It's not climate. Right. Weather being a localized uh, statement, climate being a global statement by definition. Uh, and so, yes, it is hot, but they're going to leverage this uh, into and uh, I'm I'm running together some thoughts here but uh, the the left simultaneously wants to suppress the use of air conditioning which yeah. has a high energy consumptive nature and recognizing that the temperature or they're saying they're recognizing the temperature is going up those two things are incompatible with each other uh so if we look at the uh, the potentials here um what happens with biden today um and, and i'll talk about that in a second but let me just let me just stop for a moment and get your comments well you know i to me it's kind of i think the people are rising up against this they're saying 
you know, American people say, well, we're all for uh, climate change. We've got to do something about that, but not spend one penny. They were pretty clear, American people, in, in polls that have been taken, is we don't want to spend any money on this effort. And so right now, uh, the people around the world, as we're seeing, this stuff is being implemented, uh, you know, not using fertilizer, not, uh, uh, you know, it's going to create a famine. Uh, the food situation is going to be horrible around the world. All the outcomes from this stuff, this movement, is going to create tremendous uh, problems around the globe, and uh, I don't think people are going to want to stand for it. Well, they may not stand for it, but that's going to be something after the fact, I'm afraid. Bob. Right. If if Joe Biden uh, enacts the, uh, the the National uh, Emergencies Act, the one that was created in 1976, uh, he can, in fact, uh, uh, totally revise the timetable for the removal of fossil fuels from America. Uh, I think in, in terms of my, my concern is, is that is what he will do. He will dramatically accelerate our movement towards renewables, which they are certainly not prime time ready, uh, and move away from fossil fuels. Uh, fossil fuels have been and continue to be the major benefactor of the human experience, Bob. Without them, uh, almost everything else is impossible. That includes uh, food production, transportation, you name it. Uh, everything is going to be diminished dramatically uh, if, in fact, the the timetable for the removal of these fossil fuels is accelerated. And, and I would note, even within that accelerated timetable, the projection is by 2050, that would produce one-tenth of a degree uh, decrease Celsius in terms of the uh, of the temperature. If they talk about the removal of super pollutants like methane, that'll result in by two, 2040 uh, a drop of three tenths of a percent uh, of temperature Celsius. Uh, so these are things that are uh, are going to have impact, if at all, in the uh, in the distant future. Uh, and th even that's a hypothetical. Uh, and in the meantime, the amount of damage being done. Uh, to the to the human experience uh, is going to be enormous. And what you just said prior to my comments is absolutely true. I think there will be pushback. I think there's pushback right now. But the question is in America, will it matter, Bob, mm -hmm. if, if Biden in, uh, enables the Emergency Powers Act of 76 and go goes ahead with the most dramatic reductions in fossil fuels? That, that is possible. That is projected, as a matter of fact. Uh, America is, is in for a lot of trouble, Bob. I just don't see Congress uh, standing by and letting this happen. I'm, that's my hope. And, hey, and of course, we're, we're not exactly sure what's going to be included in this emergency declaration from... Uh, but you, I, I wasn't aware that there was a, a, an emergency declaration in 1976. That's interesting. That is, that's the most recent construct of the National Emergency Powers Act. It's been revised multiple times. Uh, that one in 76 is just really ominous. It includes uh, the ability of the president uh, by, by decree uh, to freeze bank accounts, to end civil liberties, uh, to order incarcerations, uh, to postpone elections. I mean, so the Emergency Powers Ooh. Act is an enormous uh, grouping of powers uh, that have been afforded the president. And again, the, uh, the, the Emergency Powers Act, by, by definition, was for emergencies. This is not an emergency, obviously. No. This is a reaction to the Congress's unwillingness uh, to, in fact, fulfill uh, the, the green energy uh, deal. And, and so, again, he is enacting it in totally out of position for its purpose. Uh, but again, if he does it, uh, it's I don't know how we'll get in the way of it. Uh, We'll have to see, Bob. Well, it'd have to go through the judicial system for sure. Andy, let's take another break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. 
don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain, improve your quality of life, see for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, any other thoughts about the climate emergency? Just just the one comment that I made to you off air, which is that uh, for Congress uh, to, in fact, overrule a national power uh, that's once it's been enacted requires a two thirds vote of both houses of Congress to wow. do that. Uh, so the only point I'm making is that it is not an easy thing to undo by Congress. Now, uh, the courts, the courts might do it. But uh, again, when he's functioning, even within the theory of a presidential power, it's difficult to see a court. Uh, doing that. I think it should be done. I think the courts would be perfectly justified legally and certainly morally to do it. Uh, but again, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more concerned about what will happen today uh, than I have about any other single event in, in recent American history. Bob. That is so interesting. Well, stay tuned. We'll look forward to the results. And uh, yeah, any thoughts about the visit that uh, Trump made, or I'm sorry, that uh, Biden made to uh, the Middle East? You mentioned word Trump, and I, I just want to, as long as you briefly mention the yeah. word Trump, uh, Mitch McConnell indicates that there's going to be a whole, a whole field of of, uh, of of competitors for Donald Trump in the primaries. You know, just nonsense, but Mitch. And I, I wish the, I wish President Trump, if he is going to run, and I, I believe he will. I think. I'd like to see him announced now. Uh, I'd like to find out who is going to directly challenge and announce Donald Trump's candidacy for the presidency. So I'd like to see him uh, enter that field uh, right now. I don't think it'll be an extensive field, no matter what Mitch McConnell says. I think he's trying to do some wishful thinking. But uh, uh, I'd like to see President Trump, if he's going to run, and I almost think for his own personal sake, I'd prefer he not, not for the sake of America, but I, I don't want to see this man go through four years, additional four years of hell. But uh, I think that may have to happen. So uh, just as long as you brought Trump up, I wasn't going to go there, but uh, I'll make the comment. I, when uh, Biden was over in um, in Saudi Arabia, and I've spent uh, actually a lot of time in Saudi Arabia doing uh, doing consulting in uh, Jeddah, Riyadh, uh, Al Kabar. Um, but this this issue of the Kosoji uh, murder, and certainly it was a, a heinous act committed by the uh, by the Saud royal family. There's no doubt about it. In a uh, in the in the Saud embassy in Turkey, he goes in Kosoji, uh, he's um, strangled, his body is dismembered. It's a horrible, horrible scene. Uh, but Kosoji is is always presented, certainly by the leftist press, as being a uh, as just a reporter for the yeah. uh, Washington Post. Uh, he was far more than that. This was a Saudi dissident. He was actively supporting many what we would call Islamist causes. Right. Uh, he actively uh, pushed back against the Saud government. That, I'm not saying that justifies murdering him, Bob, but uh, the positioning him simply as a as a reporter is certainly leaving out the reason that the Sauds took action. Uh, I have uh, 
probably for years been aware of what I regard as a as a heinous action taken by the United United States in the uh, in the drone killing of Alawaki uh, and his son uh, Khan. Uh, this was a uh, a drone attack uh, authored by President Obama, knowingly killing an American citizen and his son, both citizens by the way, uh, by an American drone. Now, uh, again, I'm not trying to create absolute equivalency, obviously, between Saudi Arabia and the United States. Right. I, I am just saying that each nation chooses its own method of ensuring its own safety and integrity. Uh, the Saudi culture is different than ours. Their choice is what you saw with Pasochi. Ours was what we saw with the, the drone attack on Alawaki. So, um, again, no comparisons directly, but I think we have to uh, understand uh, we have prior roles of a similar sort. Though. Right, and I would say that the you know, Alawaki and the fact that he's not is gone is uh, is a good thing. But he didn't de get due process. He's an American citizen. It's very questionable whether he was in an act of war against the United States at the time he was killed. So, uh, you know, again, that's a slippery slope that we're that we went down. I, I totally agree. And uh, these drones are a, a frightening thing to me because they so depersonalize the uh, the act of war, obviously, and the, the act of, of personal killing uh, because it so detaches the, the person who implements that act from the from the death itself. It's, right. uh, it's a it's an ominous thing that it pretends when drones are dominating the, the battlefield and the political world. So uh, we're going to have more of this type of thing as time goes on, I think, Bob. Yeah, I think so. So uh, in, in uh, uh, so uh, we have just a couple of minutes, Andy. I want to make sure we focus on the, the things that you'd like to talk about. Well, the, the big thing, and, and for your audience, is if, if there is, there's, there's a couple of existential things in our in our world. Uh, one of them is not climate change. That is not an existential event, no matter how you slice it. Right. Uh, but there are two existential things that, that can affect us. Uh, they're both being ignored as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you have, as I alluded to before, artificial intelligence. Uh, some of the, the recent writings, and I'm talking by the major players in the field of art, artificial intelligence, uh, suggest that once AI reaches artificial general intelligence, the intelligence of, of a human being, that it will rapidly accelerate to a thousand or ten thousand times that of a human being. And humanity may be nothing more than a cockroach in their mind. And uh, these people who are more astute than I am in this area, uh, they are worried, very worried about this particular potential happening. Uh, the other thing is, of course, EMPs. And uh, I know most people are aware of the electromagnetic pulse potential. And yet, if there was a uh, electromagnetic pulse dropped over the uh, atmosphere in the in the uh, east coast of America, it would shut down our energy grid and all of our grids for uh, for two, three, four months or indefinitely. But these are serious existential threats, all with the potentiality of reaching reaching reality, Bob. No question. And of course, we have another couple of uh, nations that are entering into the fray, uh, rogue nations like uh, North Korea, as well as Iran. And, uh, you know, who knows what their motivations might be. But, you know, to set off a nuclear bomb in our atmosphere, even above the, uh, the uh, United States or, or, you know, even a mile or two miles high would create the kind of disruption that would... It would starve us all. It would uh, leave us. I mean, the, these are things that should be given greater concern to harden our facilities, harden our grids. Right. Um, I think to some extent it's happened in the military, but uh, in general, the, the civilian grids, the energy grids, have not been protected sufficiently to protect the public from, from this happening, Bob. Absolutely. Uh, and what, do you, what about the undocumented positive impact of guns uh, the, and, and your thoughts about that? Of, of drugs, did you say? Guns. Guns, guns are, I mean, there's a recent um, life-saving event where a 22-year-old uh, a fellow with a gun, uh, with a carry uh, license, carry permit, car, carry allowance, I guess, uh, took down a uh, killer who had just killed three people and uh, no telling how many more would, would have died. Uh, the, the issue with guns to me is that most of the benefit is unseen. Uh, the number of, of, uh, of uh, violent crimes that are prevented is supposed to number in the 
uh, in the low area of millions a year. The number it's not documented. Nobody reports these things when they when they stopped uh, a mugging or stopped an act of violence in their homes. Uh, it just goes away, so to speak. Bob. Right. Uh, so guns are this this silent benefactor of humanity. Uh, so all that gets measured is the the negatives when they rarely occur, but the positives we we never hear discussed. Bob. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up. That's absolutely the case, and uh, uh, some people are considering him a hero. It's great to see because uh, you know if if he hadn't pulled his gun and killed the perpetrator, uh, it, a lot more deaths would have occurred because he had uh, uh, magazines of bullets and uh, had a very powerful guns. He could have killed a lot of people at the time, but uh, he was but stopped. But the left resents him being called a good Samaritan, and they're, they're attacking him, saying he ha carried that gun illegally. It was not an illegal carry. The fact that there was a, uh, a local statement made by the mall that uh, the guns were not allowed is not a legal statement. No. Uh, he had the legal right to carry by all constitutional definition, uh, and he was a good Samaritan. He took, because he knew that there would be pressure put on him for the act that he committed, saving lives, and he took that act regardless. Brother. So, Andy, we, start, we started the show and ended the show with some good news. I really appreciate your commentary on the show. It was a great, great discussion. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, and we'll talk soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Andy. And again, uh, Josefa Zavaz is the name of his book. So interesting, off-topic for today's discussion, but a great read. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We've got great guests lined up, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Our former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us, and we'll have a lot more. So I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobhardnetthotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>